The next thing that workplaces can do is really step into planning ahead for what will happen when the baby arrives. So particularly around that transition to parental leave. And what we heard in our conversations with small business owners through this project is that it's often so busy um, just keeping the business head above water, doing business as usual, that it's all too easy to put this off for later. But by having some of the conversations early on and by doing a bit of the planning up front, you can really reduce some of the pressure, not only on the parent, but on the business as well. So it's sort of finding out the key details early on. When is the baby due? What are you thinking in terms of parental leave? How long do you think you might take? Um, are there any other things we need to consider early? The earlier that you can start those conversations, then the more time you have to explore the options and be well prepared for when the time comes. Hi, I'm Vanessa Miles, psychologist and senior consultant at Transitioning Well. And I'm Georgie Chapman, partner at HR Legal, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia focusing on pharmacy management and ownership. The PDCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Hello and welcome listeners. Today's episode is an important one for anyone undergoing a significant life change or managing those who are. Whether it's yourself, colleagues or your employees, I hope this episode will provide valuable information to help you navigate the change and all that comes with it. I'm speaking today with Vanessa Miles, a psychologist and senior consultant at Transitioning Well, and Georgie Chapman, employment lawyer and partner at HR Legal. And today's episode will venture into the frameworks and requirements that need to be in place to support employees during one of life's major transitions, parenthood, as well as what you can do to make sure you and your employees are well prepared. Transitioning Well is a national team of psychologists working with Australian companies to help employees manage the messy intersections between life and work. Transitioning Well supports those experiencing any kind of significant life change, but today we focus on transition to parenthood, however that might look. Here's Vanessa and Georgie. Thanks for being with us today, Vanessa and Georgie. And of course, we're here today to talk about transitioning well to parenthood, which will be in the context of employer-employee relationships. And we're not just talking about expectant mums, but also dads as well, whether that's as an employee in the pharmacy or an owner or a manager. So let's start with the legal obligations for a small business. Georgie, can you talk about what employers need to consider for an expectant parent around parental leave, both for mums and dads, as far as the law is concerned? The rights and obligations around parental leave are derived from the Fair Work Act. And these rules can be quite detailed and a little bit complex to navigate. So I think it is really important for employers and also employees to be aware of those fundamental entitlements for expectant parents. So where an employee has completed at least 12 months continuous service, there's a basic entitlement to unpaid parental leave, and that's 52 weeks following the birth or placement of the child. So this covers both birth-related leave as well as leave for the placement of an adopted child. Now, one parent can also request an additional 12 months of leave, um, and that is a right to request. And if the employer is able to accommodate that, that's great, but they are able to refuse that request on reasonable business grounds. 
And there's also the ability for uh, a second parent, if there's two parents, um, to take what's known as concurrent leave. So generally only one parent takes leave at any one time, whether or not they're working for the same business or um, different employers. Uh, but there is um, an exception to that and that's where they can take concurrent leave. So the second parent can take up to eight weeks of unpaid leave and that can be taken all in one hit um, from the date of birth or placement or it can be taken in two-week blocks um, or otherwise as agreed with the employer. There's also a number of ancillary entitlements um, and obligations to be aware of. So for employees who are adopting, they can apply for two days unpaid pre-adoption leave so they can attend relevant interviews and examinations. Um, there's also supports for pregnant employees. So if an employee is um, unfit for work because of a pregnancy-related illness, they're able to take unpaid special maternity leave and that's also available in the tragic event of a miscarriage. From a safety perspective, there's the entitlement for a pregnant employee to be transferred to a safe job. Um, so that is if there are aspects of the role that are not safe um, on account of the pregnancy, then they're entitled to be transferred to a safe job or if there's no safe job available, they're entitled to take a paid no safe job leave if they are um, eligible for unpaid parental leave. There are also a number of other um, entitlements in the tragic event of a stillbirth or death of a child in the first 24 months. The employee remains eligible to take their unpaid parental leave, so the 52 weeks, um, and also there's the ability to take um, paid compassionate leave of two days uh, in the event of miscarriage or stillbirth. And then finally, there are some uh, entitlements during parental leave that can arise. So employees can take up to 10 days of uh, keeping in touch days. So effectively, these are paid uh, days for the purposes of facilitating their return to work. So it might be attending team events or training and the like. Georgie, there's obviously lots to talk about around this subject, but indulge me for a minute. Let's fast forward to when those parents that you've just spoken about return to work, what legislation exists and what are employers' obligations at that time? A really fundamental entitlement is what's known as the return to work guarantee. And that is for an employee who is returning from parental leave and they're entitled to return to their pre-parental leave position. Or if that position no longer exists, then an available position for which the employee is qualified and suited, and that's nearest in status or pay to the employee's pre-parental leave position. So that pre-parental leave position is effectively their substantive position if they were transferred to a safe job. It's the job that they were in before that transfer to the safe job. So that's a really important one. Their position is kept open or um, they're guaranteed to come back to their substantive position. And then in addition, uh, employees are eligible to request flexible working arrangements on their return from parental leave. So uh, that's because they've uh, completed 12 months continuous service and they have care of um, a child of school age or, or younger. And that could take a number of different forms. It might be that they want to return to work part-time when previously they were working full-time. They may want to have flexible start and finish times, look at job sharing, those sorts of things. And if a flexible work request is made by a returning employee, there are a number of obligations on the employer in responding. So firstly, uh, they need to respond within 21 days 
and they need to outline what the response is. If they're unable to accommodate that request, they can only refuse on reasonable business grounds. So, for example, if uh, that would re the request re would require impractical changes or there'd be a significant loss in pro productivity, could impact safety in the workplace, those sorts of things. Um, but generally what we suggest is that there is a real discussion about the request and, you know, a, a real um, attempt to accommodate that request even on a trial basis um, so that there can be, you know, a supported transition from that person's parental leave back into the workplace. And there are a number of um, proposed changes that will be coming into effect in June of this year and that effectively establishes a dispute resolution process for um, the Fair Work Commission to hear flexible work arrangement disputes. Um, so that's a bit of a watch this space um, scenario. Well, speaking of transitions, Georgie, and we'll stay with you just for a second, the transition into parenthood and back into work, it can be tricky for both employers and employees. I'm wondering what are some common legal mistakes that you see in your practice? Well, there's often a lot of uncertainty around this time for both the employee and the employer. And so I always suggest if you're open to having discussions around flexibility and support and what the individual and the organisation are seeking, the more communication, the better. I think um, there can be real pitfalls where employers are really resistant to making accommodations for employees and returning to work. Um, but then on the flip side, sometimes employees are seeking more flexibility than is operationally viable. So there's some sort of tensions there. I think some of the other big pitfalls can be where uh, an employer forgets or perhaps doesn't make efforts to keep in touch with employees while they're on parental leave. So there are obligations to, um, you know, consult effectively if there are major changes in the workplace that impact the employee's role. Um, so, you know, sometimes what can happen is those changes are made and then the person on parental leave isn't actually notified until they're ready to return. And so that's a non-compliance with obligations, but also can really create some tensions and some additional stresses or anxieties with that um, transition back to the workplace. And I think otherwise, um, really making sure that we're complying with those obligations around flexible work requests. Um, and, you know, giving genuine consideration and seeking to accommodate, uh, as I said before, if, if nothing else, then on a trial basis, um, because sometimes things can seem all new and, um, you know, they might not have been tested before, but certainly it's always worth giving things a try and then you can always have um, further conversations and look at tw tweaking those uh, arrangements in due course. Vanessa, welcome to the show to you also. Let's switch gear a little and look at another aspect of transitioning to parenthood, and that's the mental health aspect. What should employers be mindful of in terms of making sure expectant employees are safe and looked after as they approach the birth of their baby? There are a few things for employers to be mindful of. Um, we know that the transition to parenthood represents a particularly vulnerable time in terms of mental health for expectant and new parents. Um, this is a time in a person's life when they are most likely to develop a mental health condition for the first time 
or have a previous mental health condition reoccur or relapse. And in fact, one in five mums and one in 10 dads will experience anxiety or depression at this time. And that includes the period through pregnancy right through to baby's first birthday and potentially beyond that time. So in terms of what workplaces can do here, well, the first opportunity is to help raise awareness of the risks during this period and make sure that people know where to get help. Um, we know that getting help early lessens the severity of the symptoms and it also decreases the duration of those symptoms. So simply making sure that people know about this and where they can get help is a really good start. The next thing that workplaces can do is really step into planning ahead for what will happen when the baby arrives. So particularly around that transition to parental leave. And um, what we heard in our conversations with small business owners through this project is that it's often so busy um, just keeping the business head above water, um, doing business as usual, that it's all too easy to put this off for later. But by having some of the conversations early on and by doing a bit of the planning up front, you can really reduce some of the pressure, not only on the parent, but on the business as well. So it's sort of finding out the key details early on. You know, when is the baby due? What are you thinking in terms of parental leave? How long do you think you might take? Um, are there any other things we need to consider early? The earlier that you can start those conversations, then the more time you have to explore the options and be well prepared for when the time comes. Um, and of course, as we all know, babies tend to work to their own schedule. So although we might all assume that there's plenty of time to sort out the details, sometimes the baby decides um, that's not on and might come a few weeks early. And that really leaves everyone scrambling at the last minute. So that's obviously not ideal for either the parent or the workplace. So it's really good to start this preparation early and to just spend a bit of time planning around the what ifs. You know, if there's a parent who thinks they'll only take a few weeks off when the baby arrives, well, what if you decide you'd like to take longer? And um, what if baby comes sooner than you think? Or what if your baby or your partner are in hospital longer than you expected? You know, what would that look like? And what if your partner is struggling and really needs you at home longer than you thought? So it's really about opening those conversations early with both mums and dads that are in your business so that you have a bit of a head start um, and you're ready to handle some of those unexpected things that happen during this transition. And then finally, there's also a physical aspect to safety when we're thinking about pregnant women. So of course, in pharmacy, there's a lot of standing, um, talking to customers, there's a lot of lifting and reaching. So there's a real opportunity to take a look at what might need to be considered from a physical standpoint. And that can be really tricky because many parents wouldn't disclose a pregnancy before 12 weeks. So you might not even know that there's any reason to consider some of these aspects. So that then really does come down to creating a culture of openness where your people are comfortable raising issues with you and therefore they might come and disclose early if they need to or at the very least, they might ask for some support, even if they don't explain the reasons behind that. Vanessa, if we look at things from another angle, another way, say you're the business owner and you or your partner is expecting, what should you be thinking about and how do you prepare yourself and your business and your employees for the coming change? We know this is a real source of potential stress for business owners. There's a lot going on and there's a real need to sort of shift focus. So um, in our research, Daniel, what struck me was that we often heard business owners saying things like, you know, my business is my baby or my business is my focus. And then all of a sudden you have to wear this extra hat, but you still only have 24 hours in a day and there's something else you suddenly need to squeeze into that. 
Um, so one of the big things to think about is, again, to start the planning early. So think about how you might start to share the load early on as a business owner so that the business can cope with you stepping back or perhaps taking a period of leave um, when the baby arrives, um, irrespective of how long you're actually planning to take. So even if you think you aren't going to take much time, um, things happen, you know, as we talked about a, a second ago, the baby might come early, you might realise you need more time at home, or you might just really find the juggle harder than you expected. So, of course, you know, in pharmacy, the need to have a pharmacist on support, obviously that's made more complicated by workforce shortages and I imagine it's not that easy to find a pharmacist to jump in at the drop of a hat. So the earlier you can start planning for that, the better. Um, so just start moving through all those contingencies and develop a bit of, a bit of a plan ahead of time. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we've developed a few resources to really help you as a business owner start thinking about how you might do that. Um, now, for those pharmacists who are in partnerships, it's also really important to have these conversations early with your business partner. And the critical thing here is not to make assumptions, whether you're the expectant parent or the business partner who's not having the baby. So some really common assumptions are, you know, I won't need to take much time off, nothing will change, there won't be much of a transition, or even um, making assumptions about how much parental leave a parent will want to take. So for the expectant parent business owner, this is about really making your plan explicit so that your business partner knows what you're thinking and you can make sure that your plans align with the business partner. So how much time you're planning to take off, um, you know, what's the impact on profit, the impact on wages, you really need to have those conversations. Um, and, and what if, you know, what if you need to take extra leave? How would you get another pharmacist in? Really just get that contingency planning in place. And hopefully, of course, you'll never have to use that stuff. But just flagging all the what ifs, um, making sure that you're not caught on the hop and having to scramble during what is already a busy time for the parent and for the business. Well, speaking of parents, being a dad myself and understanding how crazy the transition was to parenthood while trying to keep everything else in your life on track. I'm keen to ask about expectant dads and make sure we cover that side of the question or that angle. Is there anything specific that would support expectant dads in the workplace as they prepare for the birth of a child? Dads have been top of mind as we've built out these resources um, because we know that lots of the resources out there talk to mums who are taking parental leave but they don't necessarily talk to some of the issues that dads are facing. So the workplace is a great vehicle to talk to dads about what the transition might look like for them. Um, and we also know that increasingly dads want to or they're expected to play a more hands-on role in parenting than perhaps their parents did um, or that their employers did. So sometimes workplaces are not quite ready for that. Um, so there's still quite a few barriers to dads taking the amount of leave that they want. Um, of course, there are financial pressures, but there's also sometimes a stigma attached to dads taking long parental leave. And when we spoke to dads in our research, we heard some really strong themes about not wanting to let people down. So not wanting to leave the team, let the team down, not wanting to let the business down, and sometimes just being unaware of the possibilities about how they might manage the transition in a way that is best for their family. Uh, so in this project, we've built a dads and partner section to cover some of these themes. And we've also focused on educating leaders about changing expectations so that they can think about how they might support dads in a more conscious way as well. 
I'd also add that pregnant mums in particular are connected to healthcare services through their antenatal appointments. And there's often some mental health screening done through that process, but often that is not provided to dads or partners. So one of the goals of this program is to ensure that all expectant parents are able to recognise the signs of distress and then just get some clear guidance about what they need to do to look after themselves, um, to let them be there to support their families. So, you know, for a pregnant mum, you have nine months to prepare for your baby's arrival. Um, often for a father or a partner or even an adoptive parent where you don't get a lot of advance notice, it's not until the baby's there that you often start to understand the transition and how significant it is. So, you know, just getting a heads up about the transition so that you're not surprised and you know where to go for help if things get a bit tricky. Um, it's really important for dads to know the difference between dad stress and distress because as a dad or a partner, you're often holding so much, it can be quite hard to know the difference. So again, it really comes back down to planning ahead and being as prepared as you can be. Georgie, moving back to you, what are the risks when employers, when they don't have structures in place to support their employees' mental health and, and the legal obligations to address these risks? Employers have overarching obligations under work health and safety obligation to provide and maintain, so far as is reasonably practicable, a safe working environment. And this, of course, includes psychological health and safety. And a really critical part of safety obligations is monitoring health of employees. So in this critical phase of transition for employees, employers really need to ensure there are measures in place um, to be monitoring psychological health and safety of employees. And, you know, there can be risks in terms of employees making certain types of claims like workers' comp claims. But more commonly what we see as the principal risks are to the employment relationship. So a breakdown in communication or, you know, disengagement, increased unplanned absences, um, you know, that can have flow and effect to other members of the team and those sorts of things. So it's really critical that employers are taking an intentional approach. And of course, smaller organisations will have more limited resources to be able to do this. They might not have those big structured programs that bigger organisations have in place. But really, you know, going back to some of our earlier um, discussion points, both from me and Vanessa, you know, communication is so important, creating that psychologically safe working environment where people can have conversations and, you know, um, put their hand up if they're not doing so well or perhaps identify if someone doesn't seem themselves so that you can have those early and frequent conversations that can go a really long way. And I think, you know, other sorts of things like looking again at that flexibility, changes to workload, access to employee assistance programs and the like, it's really important. What I often see in my work is where there aren't uh, good channels of communication or where there are miscommunications, um, things can be misinterpreted. And where someone is pregnant or they have parental responsibilities, that can be construed as adverse treatment on the basis of their pregnancy or their parental responsibilities. And that in some circumstances can give rise to uh, discrimination claims. So there are protections at law for discrimination in the workplace on the basis of those sorts of protected attributes. And, you know, there are, of course, cases where it is very real discrimination and adverse treatment for those reasons. But in a lot of cases, it, it is also just 
miscommunications or things being misinterpreted. So really as much as possible aiming to keep those lines of communication going and having those sorts of proactive discussions hopefully can minimise the prospect of these sorts of issues. Vanessa, I want to delve specifically into some of the challenges faced by those working in pharmacies. And, and we sort of touched on those a little bit earlier. We mentioned them. Things like standing on your feet all day or lifting heavy objects and even potentially hearing other people's pregnancy stories when your own may be very difficult or, or even cut short. Vanessa, what can employers do to lessen some of these impacts and, and what are the signs that their staff may be experiencing some distress? As an employer, we would always suggest that you do a safety assessment. So one of our resources is a safety checklist that you can use to see what needs to be considered from that perspective, just some of the things to be looking out for. Um, you mentioned hearing other people's pregnancy stories when your own might be quite difficult. And again, as an employer, this can be really tough because you often won't know if someone has had a loss during early pregnancy or if they are going through fertility treatment. So that comes back to creating an open culture and perhaps having some resources readily available where it can be very clear that you support working parents in general in your workplace. Um, if you do know about somebody who has had a difficult journey to parenthood, then it really comes back to the support that you provide as an employer. So stepping in and making sure that they know about resources and that they have access to some good support, whether that's through their GP or any other sources to make sure that their grief and loss is being supported. Um, the other thing that workplaces can do is to be across the legislation relating to the leave that people are entitled to during the circumstances. Um, of course, it can be quite confronting to support others when you yourself are struggling to manage your own loss or being faced with others who are having a baby when you're going through your own journey to parenthood. Um, that can be a real trigger. So that's why the good culture and the good support is so important. So if somebody is finding it too, too triggering to serve a pregnant customer, for example, the team really needs to be there to support them. So perhaps having a way of letting people know that they might need to step in and serve a customer might be quite helpful. So those are some strategies from the workplace perspective. Um, for the individual, it's important to have a few strategies up your sleeve as well if you are the person who is experiencing this. Um, so firstly, if the experience is new or particularly raw, um, see if there are some other staff that can take the lead with serving some customers who are in the parenting journey themselves, at least initially as you come to terms with what's happened to you. The second thing is to remind yourself that having a baby can take time to happen for you. So others achieving a pregnancy or having children doesn't in any way take away from your likelihood of having children yourself. And then finally, just be gentle on yourself. Um, it's totally understandable to experiencing to experience feelings of anger, jealousy, or even resentment at times when others have what you might desperately want. Um, you're only human, so a bit of compassion for yourself with whatever you're experiencing during this time. Um, and then to the final part of your question, Daniel, which was around the signs that someone is experiencing distress. So the signs can look a little different at work and at home. Um, at work, you might notice over-productivity or under-productivity. Um, you might see a changed personality or a flat personality, loss of motivation, 
difficulty making decisions or an inability to concentrate. And then at home, the signs might be more around feeling numb or disinterested or even hopeless, um, finding it difficult to get through the day, feeling isolated or disconnected from others. Uh, there might be changes in appetite. Um, you might feel angry or resentful. So the key thing here around the signs is noticing when there's a change. So as an employer, noticing when someone is different to how they used to be, or even when you're thinking about the signs in yourself, trying to think back to how you feel you were before and whether this represents a change. Um, and so if you do notice the signs in someone else, that's where you really need to reach out to that person and just check in and make sure that they're aware of the support that's out there and make sure they know how to tap into that if they need to. Vanessa, we've talked about some of the signs and symptoms of mental distress that may be present and some of the best practice in terms of structures in place to deal with that. But if an employee is showing signs of distress, but they they aren't saying anything, what is the best way to approach a conversation with them? Yeah, this is really tough. And this is what we hear from managers a lot is what do I do if they are not telling me that there's a problem? Um, so the first thing to be aware of is that as a manager, it is not your role to try and be a counsellor. Um, really, your role is to do what we call listen and link. So just listening to the person to find out what's happening for them and then just linking them to the appropriate support. So that would be, you know, reaching out, just say what you've observed and ask if they're okay and specifically ask what can we do at work to support you um, as you prepare for the arrival of your baby or as you're returning into work and start to offer some suggestions that you think might help. So, you know, would it work if you started work a bit later would you like to think about reducing hours? Do we need to give you a couple more breaks? Do you need to sit down more? It's not about telling them what you think should happen, but just offering a couple of possibilities as a starting point to get to the bottom of what's happening and then really making sure that you sit down together to problem solve what the best solution might be. Um, opening this conversation is particularly valuable because it also sets the tone for the future. So. The employee can see, oh, my employer is supporting me, so perhaps it is safe for me to be open about the challenges I'm facing. Um, it feels like they would be open to working through that with me together. Um, so this attitude, this joint problem-solving approach, that's the gold when it comes to working parenthood over the longer term. Um, the next thing would be just trying to get them into some support if they are open to it. So if they're open to finding some support in the local area, Sometimes the barrier is just making that phone call or just finding out who would I call if I um, you know, was ready to start talking to somebody. So one of the resources that we link to on our platform is the eCope directory. Um, that's a good place to start because it shows who is in their local area that specialises in perinatal mental health. And our partners at COPE have also developed a ready-to-cope newsletter, which gives new and expectant parents really great guidance around things to expect at each stage of their early parenting journey. So all of the resources are on our site um, that really help new and expectant parents know where they can go to get help if they do need it. Vanessa, there's been lots of great points from yourself and Georgie in this chat. So please tell us more about the resources Transitioning Well is developing for pharmacists and their employees and, and how they can get involved in the project. 
So this project is sponsored by the Department of Health and um, we are building an online platform called The Parent Well. Um, we are in partnership with COPE, the Centre of Perinatal Excellence. And through this project, we've developed a series of different resources. So we cover a number of things, including uh, a toolkit that both employers and employees can use throughout the parental leave journey. Um, we've created some interactive conversation training so that you can prepare for some of those trickier conversations, such as, you know, if an employee discloses that they have experienced a pregnancy loss, or if you see someone who's struggling, how you might open a conversation with them. We've got some tools to help you practice that conversation ahead of time. We've also got some tip sheets with sample policies and your legal obligations as a business owner. Um, and of course, all the links to the resources we've talked about today, including the eCope directory, the Ready to Cope newsletter, and a number of other resources to help you plan this transition really well. Um, so we've we've really tried to do the hard work for you. We know how busy pharmacy has been, particularly um, in the last couple of years. We know that parenting is busy. Um, so we've tried to take the hard work out of that. So um, not only is it hopefully valuable for you and your employees, but it should be great for your customers as well. Um, the resources are all free. So it's great to keep in mind for some of your customers who might be going through the perinatal journey themselves, um, that it's, it's available for them as well. So this platform that we've developed, The Parent Well, is about to go live as a pilot. So if you're interested in gaining access to all of these resources, we would love you to jump on and register. You just go to www.theparentwell.com.au and follow the steps. And then, of course, we'd love to know what you think and what else we might consider adding to the site ahead of our final launch, which should be in early 2024. Outstanding. Sounds amazing. And all the best as you build up to the launch. Now, Georgie, what about you? If, if our listeners need some advice about a specific situation, how can they get in contact with you? Well, we encourage employers who need advice on specific scenarios to visit our website at www.hrlegal.com.au for more information about sort of support and advice we can provide and also our contact details. Vanessa Miles and Georgie Chapman, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your expertise and advice around transitioning well through one of life's biggest challenges, and that's parenthood. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for having us, Daniel. A great episode today and one that will be very useful for employees and employers alike. Transitioning Well have developed a suite of resources designed specifically for small business owners and managers, including pharmacists, to manage the transition to working parenthood. They are keen to hear from anyone who would like to access these materials for free and provide feedback on them. It's a great opportunity for anyone who owns or manages a pharmacy or employees in the pharmacy to see what's out there to support you. For more information and to access the resources mentioned, you can find a contact email for Vanessa in the show notes at guild.org.au. I've been your host, Daniel Oyson, and you've been listening to episode 116 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.